On this episode of A New York Minute in History, First, they had to ask, is this a human that makes this noise? To which the response was, no. Then they asked, is this a spirit? Yes. One of the first things Mrs. Fox said was, this house is haunted. We dive into the mysterious story of the Fox sisters and the role they played in the creation of modern spiritualism. It's all up next, right after this. From the Irish invasion of Canada to the early days of the movies. If you are interested in broadening your understanding of New York State history, then this is the podcast for you. I'm Susan Hughes, historian and archivist for the William G. Pomeroy Foundation, a proud sponsor of a New York Minute in History. The Pomeroy Foundation is a philanthropic organization based in Syracuse, New York. One of our main initiatives is to help people celebrate their community's history by providing grants for historic markers and plaques. Here in the Empire State and across the country, we support a diverse range of marker programs that include commemorating food history, civil rights, folklore, and sites on the National Register of Historic Places. As the nation's leading funder of historic markers, the Pomeroy Foundation has awarded over 1,800 grants since 2005. To learn more about the Foundation's grant programs, visit WGPFoundation.org. That's WGPFoundation.org. Welcome to a New York Minute in History. I'm Devin Lander, the New York State historian. And I'm Lauren Roberts, the historian for Saratoga County. Today, we're going to be focusing on a marker located at 1510 Hydesville Road in the village of Newark, which is in Wayne County, out in western New York. The marker is placed on what is now the site of the Hydesville Memorial Park, and the text reads, The Fox Sisters. On this site, events of March 31, 1848, began sisters Maggie and Kate Fox's central role in the origin of modern spiritualism. William G. Pomeroy Foundation, 2016. So some of you may know the story of the Fox sisters, but before we talk about Maggie and Kate and exactly what the events are that are mentioned on the sign, let's take a minute to remind everyone what spiritualism is. Spiritualism is the belief that the living can communicate with the dead, or the spirit of the dead. And of course, this isn't a new concept. Um, This has, in different iterations, been believed around the world for centuries. But the religious movement we're talking about today, which we refer to as modern spiritualism, That's what really begins or takes off here in America with the advent of the Fox sisters and their abilities to commune with the dead. And like most religious movements that take off during that time period, they begin in New York. What was it that really made the location and the time ripe for these ideas to really take hold? I think it was a lot of things, actually. If we think about the date that the Fox sisters begin allegedly communing with the dead, it's 1848, right? And we know in uh, the same general area of central to western New York was a big event happening in 1848, and that was the suffrage convention in Seneca Falls. Uh, There was a lot of other things happening. We know that the Erie Canal was completed in 1825 and kind of opened up central and western New York to 
more settlements. Places like Rochester started to boom by the 1840s and mid-1840s. The railroads were really coming in strong in upstate New York and, and opening even more access to transportation of goods, but also of people and also of ideas. So there was a ferment happening in upstate New York, as it became known, was the burned-over district because of all of the various religious movements and different social movements like temperance, like suffrage, like abolition, were all taking place. Because of that, it kind of created the fertile soil, so to speak, for something like modern spiritualism to take root. So now that we've kind of set the stage, let's go back to the hamlet of Hydesville, which is within the village of Newark, and how the Fox sisters fit into this time period. Hi, (laughs) my name is Tracy Murphy. I am the director of Historic Palmyra's Five Museums, and I'm also the historian uh, for the Fox Sisters property in Newark, New York, or Hydesville, as I like to call it. And I am also a member of the Newark Arcadia Historical Society. They actually came to this little house in 1847, and they were there with their mother and father, John and Margaret Fox. Their father was a blacksmith by trade. Obviously, their mother was a homemaker. The girls' names were Margareta and Catherine. They were fondly called Maggie and Kate by their family. And their family moved there because they were building a home that was about two and a half miles up the road on Parker Road from where the property is today. And they wanted to be closer to their son, David, whose home is still standing. So they were renting this house while they were building their new house? That's correct. They were not the first family to actually live in the house. They were about the third family that moved in. It was December, so it was pretty cold. They were really only there for a few months. However, moving into the cottage, uh, one of the first things Mrs. Fox said was, this house is haunted. It very much started out as just, you know, quiet little tappings, like someone would be tapping on your window or your door, and they would go and look and see where the noises were coming from and could never really find an explanation. And it went on for weeks and weeks until finally March 31st, the family decided that they were all going to bed early. They were not going to be entertained by this noise that kept happening every night and their mother instructed the girls that they were to go to bed and nothing was going to be said about this and so that's pretty much what happened they got it settled into bed and all of a sudden the noises started again later in 1848 The Fox sisters' mother, Margaret, actually publishes a testimony of what happened in the house. And this is a piece of it. On Friday night, the 31st of March, it was heard as usual. It was very early when we went to bed on this night, hardly dark. We went to bed so early because we had been broken so much of our rest that I was almost sick. 
My husband had not gone to bed when we first heard the noise on this evening. I had just laid down, and it commenced as usual. I knew it from all other noises I had ever heard in the house. The girls, who slept in the other bed in the room, heard the noise and tried to make a similar noise by snapping their fingers. The youngest girl is about 12 years old. She is the one who made her hand go. As fast as she made the noise with her hands or fingers, the sound was followed up in the room. It did not sound any different at that time, only it made the same number of noises that the girl did. When she stopped, the sound itself stopped for a short time. The other girl, who was in her 15th year, then spoke in sport and said, Now do this just as I do. Count one, two, three, four, etc., striking one hand and the other at the same time. But she made no sound, and they heard an immediate four raps, to which she responded, Oh, mother, look, they can see as well as hear. They say that Mrs. Fox's hair turned gray within 24 hours, and I don't doubt it. And then I spoke and said to the noise, count 10, and it made 10 strokes or noises. Then I asked the ages of my different children successively, and it gave a number of raps corresponding to the ages of my children. What ended up happening is that their son, David, caught wind of what was going on. And so he came down. This was all still on March 31st. He came down and he suggested writing the letters of the alphabet on pieces of paper and then asking this unknown rapping noise what his name was. You know, first they had to ask, is this a human that makes this noise? To which the response was, no. Then they asked, is this a spirit? Yes. Once they confirmed that they were dealing with a spirit, then they tried to get more information, to which they did. They found out his name was Charles Rosna. He was a traveling peddler who had stopped at the house to families before the foxes, and then also that he had been murdered and buried in the basement. And so the family went into the basement the next day and started looking for him. Unfortunately, they would start to dig and they would get a few few feet into the ground and then the basement would start to flood. So they did eventually have to give it up. They tried a few times, they tried again in July, but it just kept flooding. So they eventually gave up. Speaking from personal, (laughs) I would have been out of that house. I wasn't hanging around. But the mother decides, and they're they're all devout Methodists. The mother decides that she's going to bring in the neighbors to see what they think. Outside opinion, what's going on here? They bring in the neighbors, and they're convinced too. Eventually, the parents decide it's best to get the daughters out of this situation. Maybe it's just the environment, the house that is affecting them. So they move the two sisters to Rochester to live with their older sister. And now once the girls get into Rochester and are living with the older sister, rather than the rapping decreasing, it seems to increase and their spiritual communications seem to get stronger. One of the reasons it may be that the 
wrappings continue and actually uh, grow in frequency while they're in Rochester is that their sister, Leah, makes a determination that people will pay to come see them. She comes up with the idea of charging people a dollar to have a seance with the Fox sisters. She became their manager and she basically made sure that they went on a world tour and traveled as far as England. Maggie being the older of the two, honestly, I don't think her heart was in it. Kate, out of the two of the girls, was probably the strongest medium, had a little more skill, and I think it was because she was younger. Uh, but it definitely wasn't easy. You did have a few religions and Wayne County was is known as the burned over district uh, because of all of the different religions that were coming all of the time. It seemed like every weekend there was, you know, a Methodist revival or a Presbyterian revival or, you know, you had the Mormons, the Shakers, the Quakers. Some say there were the money makers. It really was a rough time for a lot of people, I think, to really understand where the loyalty lied. Every time there was a demonstration, there would be someone right behind them saying, you just faked it. I saw you move your toe. I saw you do this. First of all, women didn't really have much of a choice when it had to do with anything. We were property. We didn't have a voice. We couldn't vote. When the girls were doing demonstrations, you had a panel of scientists and physicians who basically said, we know you're faking it and we're going to prove it. And they would make them strip down to nothing and stand on tables while they were calling spirits to show that they could do these demonstrations. And the men would hold their knees or any of the joints to make sure that they weren't doing what they thought they were. They came to the conclusion, especially when they did a demonstration in Corinthian Hall, which was in Rochester, that there was no logical explanation for what they were doing. So the fame of the Fox sisters spreads almost instantly. Again, I think it's because of the times. So we start seeing rapping spiritualists, as they're known, kind of popping up around New York, New England, eventually even beyond, where it's a phenomenon where suddenly other people can do this. It was uh, something that really began with the Fox sisters, and they continued to be the most famous. And in some cases, their fame led to uh, some distasteful events taking place, including Maggie almost being kidnapped in Troy, New York, after one of their seances by a group of men who were offended by her ability to speak with the spirits. So um, it wasn't all celebrity uh, wine and dining for these kids at the time. And in 1849, they actually made an attempt to stop doing their routine with spiritualism by saying that the spirits were no longer going to be talking to them. It didn't last very long. Within a couple weeks, they were again communing with the spirits, so it was something that took off and eventually had an entire community of people around the, the nation believing in it, including some of the more prominent suffragists during the time, like Matilda Jocelyn Gage, others who 
really wanted to believe, I think, because they had recently undergone a tragedy. Maybe they lost a child or they lost somebody close to them and they wanted to be able to talk with the person from the beyond, which was something that many of the spiritualists offered, was the ability to talk to your loved ones, along with celebrities if you wanted, like the founding fathers, including George Washington and Ben Franklin. And as their popularity grows, they start to develop different tactics also. It's not just the rapping that occurs, but they go into trances. Um, One of the sisters is able to write a message at the same time she's speaking a different message. They develop these skills and different ways to get their message across to all of these believers who are waiting to hear from their deceased loved ones. And as part of this, you know, they're young girls at the time they meet potential husbands. Maggie fell in love with a man when she was 16 years old who was in his late 20s, early 30s. When they were in New York City, he came to see her every single day and they developed this relationship. Eventually, he was going on a three-year world exploration to Antarctica and basically told her that he wanted to marry her. Her mother said, okay, they were married in a small ceremony, which basically back then was as easy as the man saying, I take you as my wife and her saying, I take you as my husband and we have witnesses and okay, we're married. Uh, He promised her mother that when he came back, he would announce to the public by putting it in the newspaper that they were married and, you know, everything was wonderful. Being separated from him for three years was hard, but the fact that he died on his trip at the end of the three years was probably even harder. He contracted malaria and died in Havana. She found out through the front page of the newspaper. She basically just became so heartbroken that she never recovered from it ever. People would find her in New York City laying on random stoops. And she had no idea how she got there because she was drinking. And that was the only way she knew to cope. They were celebrities of the time. But, you know, this only lasted for so long. And as they grew older, of course, Maggie has this bad experience with losing her husband and does not have a good financial situation. She turns to alcohol. Kate also turns to alcohol. And at the time, there is talk about their older sister, Leah, making threats about Kate not being a fit mother. So they feel attacked by their sister. And in 1888, something happens that changes the whole perspective on the credibility of the Fox sisters. Right. It's Maggie who does a complete public demonstration of how the Fox sisters were able to make these sounds. And she did so with her sister in the audience, who basically nodded in assent that they were making these sounds, at least initially, by cracking their toes on wooden floors. Over time, they were able to change and adapt to doing this in front of a larger audience and being able to do these other actions in a way that was believable 
and uh, really exceptionally well done. But it turns out that, at least initially, Maggie says it was all a fraud. In 1888, the big confession mostly came about because these are grown women now. They are in their late 50s. And you've got not a lot of money coming in because, you know, it's just not not as good as it used to be. There is a reporter who approaches Maggie and he basically said, listen, why don't you just take this money? I'm going to offer you $1,500 and I just need you to go to the Grand Hall and tell people that you faked this. And so Maggie went on stage and said that her sister and herself faked the whole thing. And they did it because they wanted to scare their mother and it worked. And then their sister got involved and their sister basically got greedy and saw that she could make money on these guys and it spiraled out of control from there. They call this confession the death blow to spiritualism. So, I don't want to say, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's pretty interesting to think about a time in history when kind of all of the stars were aligned, so to speak, for something like spiritualism to take off, which still exists in some forms today. There's still people who commune with spirits and who believe that they can talk with ancestors and with people who are have passed on. There's an entire religious movement or movement of some kind that has developed called theosophy, which really developed shortly around the time of the Fox sisters and was first established in New York City and then the second one in in Rochester. And this group still exists. They believe in the teachings of Madame Blatvatsky, who was a Russian immigrant who believed that she could commune with what she called the masters who had a one truth that was behind all religions and that they communicated that truth to her and that she was able to write it down in book form and then also give talks and teach others how to be able to access the masters. Uh, That became a large movement by the end of the 19th century and a worldwide movement and again, still exists to this day. So uh, the Fox sisters were trailblazers. There's no doubt There is no doubt that they were able to gain a level of fame and notoriety that wasn't common for young women of their day, for sure. We have to think about this is before kind of vaudeville or before any real uh, opportunity for women to be on stages and be the focus of attention in the way that they were. So they were trailblazers in that regard. And they were also, I think, very much of their time. Their stories were tragic. They both died essentially alcoholics, kind of penniless. Uh, They weren't well-known by the time they passed away. It kind of reminds me of sometimes we hear stories about child actors Hmm. where they have this fame early on, right? They start from relative obscurity, which is true of the Fox sisters. They're in this very small rural town with not a lot of entertainment going on, not a lot of things to branch out and not a lot of opportunity for them when you're around 12, 15 years old and they see their mother. You know, that's kind of the normal trajectory for women in that location at that time to take. So in recognizing if it did start out 
as a way to scare their mother or if they really believed that they were hearing something. Either way, this was a way to change their lives and to have experiences that they never would have had if it hadn't been for this unusual talent that they seemed to have. You know, when people hear the story and they always focus on the confession that, yep, it was a hoax. See, she told everybody and she did it in public. And I always come back with the fact that in 1904, the house was still standing in Hydesville and there were school children playing in the basement. And one of those children fell into the wall and the wall broke apart and behind the wall was the skeletal remains of a man and a tin pack that was very similar to what a peddler traveling in 1846, 47, 48 would have had as well. So let's go back and talk about what happened to the house. The house was there for several more years. In fact, it stayed there until 1916 when the house was moved to a place called Lilydale, which is a community south of Buffalo known for mediumship and spiritual healing. And it remained in Lilydale until 1955 when, unfortunately, it burned down. So the house no longer exists. However, back in Hydesville, the foundation remained and an interesting gentleman named John Drummond came and moved on to the property and built a replica house there. So if you go to Hydesville today, you can visit the Hydesville Memorial Park, which is what the property is now called. And you can look through the windows and see the foundation. You can see down into the foundation where the story of the murdered peddler takes place. You can see the false wall in the foundation. Many people go there today. And in 2016, the local historical society decided that it would be a good idea to apply to the William G. Pomeroy Foundation to mark the site as the start of the modern spiritualism movement. In order to learn more about the process, we spoke with David Stiles, past president of the Newark Arcadia Historical Society, who formed the committee in order to get this marker erected. That was a back and forth type of thing many times. Tracy, I'm sure you remember that a little bit. I bet you, you know, I came back to you at least three, four, maybe five times. And at least before yeah. we got the wording just like they wanted it, both size and number of letter constraints and uh, what was written. And Not we had so to much. prove it. We had to prove everything that we were saying. <laughs> <laughs> the big confession, you know, it became known as the death blow to spiritualism, but honestly, when you've got a, a wildfire that burns strong for so many years, it's hard to put it out. We had the numbers over here. It had already been big in the UK. So, you know, by 1888, we had hundreds of thousands of spiritualists living in America that I don't think it made much of a difference. The importance of their story is that you can do anything that you put your mind to, 
Even if other people think you're crazy, they never gave up. They stayed true to themselves and look at them, you know, 175 years later, we're still talking about them. And, you know, it's not every day you get to start a movement. <laughs>